So I'm excited to be talking with you after like two and a half days of no internet at my house uh, at all, which was exciting. Yeah, I don't know how you did it. We've had maybe like half a day tops of no internet. And it's just kind of like, okay, TV has been rendered useless. I don't, basically, I don't know, board games, I guess. Yeah, it's exciting to see what it impacts um, because... First thing is work. How am I going to work? Well, I'm going to tether to my phone. I'm going to limp along, but at least it works. And then you start thinking about other stuff like, okay, all of my children's entertainment is connected to TVs or tablets which require the internet. My doorbell uses the internet. Like everything in some capacity in this house is connected to the internet. The Xbox requires the internet. So, so you quickly start paring down activities. And actually my kids, you know, for about a day and a half or so seem to, to deal with it in stride. They actually played with junk and stuff. And for my wife and I at night, we like watch Seinfeld on my phone in bed. But, you know, yes. even tethering stuff, you immediately get such a drop off in bandwidth that it becomes uh, much less useful. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think. Yeah. And they're, my kids are like dependent on Internet. I'd say like they do have the toys. One of them is attached to the toys. The other is like has more interest in the box and the unpacking. And then they've instantly like moved on. Well, I have like one art child who everything becomes an art project to the point where at one point she asked us for some money. She's like, can I have some money? We're like, what do you want money for? I want to rip it up and make art. We're like, no, like you, you're already, <laughs> yeah. that's called art school. No, I'm, uh, but, but yeah, it's um, everything becomes art. I, we got her a huge pack of paper uh, for Christmas the other year. And within one day, the entire floor of her bedroom was littered with new art projects. So it's just trying to rain all that in. Honestly, we should probably keep it all. It might be worth something someday if this goes somewhere, but uh, we're, we're not that savvy. Yeah, no, I've, we've been through the paper thing. I have like a little envelope holder thing that they would bring me art stuff, kind of stuff it in it to save it. Like, oh, my kids brought me this beautiful thing. I'm going to hold on to it. And then three days later, you realize it's completely packed and you're like, uh... I'm going to have to let some of this go. I love you, but uh, this this is probably going to end up in the trash. So I have some work questions for you. Okay. Okay. So how long have you been in BI at this point? Because you started releasing Tableau Public Work back in, what, July of 2021? Yes. Yeah. But clearly you, you entered this forum already knowing what you're doing. So what's your background? So... Yeah, so work-wise, I work for one of the big banks. Um, I work in the people analytics, so kind of HR. Um, And I've been working with Tableau for about four years, I think. Three to four, it it gets fuzzy sometimes. Like, I had it. I didn't do anything with it for a while. Then I had reason to do stuff with it. Um, So, yeah, but before that, like, it was a lot of Excel kind of in those big corporations, Excel kind of drives everything because it's one of those things everyone just knows. And that's kind of one of the reasons I love it because I know like if I need to, the audience will understand Excel to some extent. But um, then it was building a lot of visuals with PowerPoint. And then I would see on like job boards and stuff like every couple years or whatever, I'd go look at jobs and a lot of the analytics things, I'd see Tableau pop up and I'd be like, well, I don't know what in the world this is. So you'd look it up and you'd, I'd found out, oh, it's this visualization thing. And I wanted it. We didn't get it for a while. And then 
a team that we worked really close with who I had been part of previously, they had it. And I was kind of like to my manager at the time, oh, I really want this. I think it'd be cool for our team if we could kind of piggyback off the access they're getting. Um, and I was lucky enough, they were supportive enough and I got it. And then I just kind of being like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm just gonna kind of jump in, start being like, okay, this stuff I've been building in PowerPoint and Excel, can I do this stuff in Tableau? Some stuff, yes, some stuff. Oh my gosh, why is it so difficult to do this in Tableau? Um, but it just kind of snowballed from there. But it's it was very strictly kind of your dashboardy looking dashboards, lots of tables, lots of, you know, you could just do this in Excel and it'd probably be easier for everyone type of stuff. But a lot of the times I try to force myself just to do it in Tableau and see how it would go. But yeah, so... That, that's pretty much where I'm coming from with Tableau. Because, I mean, clearly you can tell from your very first Viz release, you know what you're doing. I mean, not just in terms of, you know, composition, um, which is excellent, but in terms of chart types, like you have a barbell chart on your first Tableau release ever, which most people aren't busting that out for a little while, right? Like if you go back and look at a lot of people's portfolios, especially if they've been around for a little while, you'll see like their very early stuff is very like uh, boxy, out of the box colors, very out of the box shapes. And it's like, you've got barbells in your first one, you have donut charts in your second, like you sort of came in like firing at all cylinders. Yeah, so that barbell, so yeah, it was Makeover Monday was, I think that, I feel like this is the story for everyone. Oh, I started with Makeover Monday. Um, and I think barbell was actually the thing Andy had shown that week, or I saw a lot of them. I had never done one before. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to try this thing. So I incorporated it. Um, but yeah, donut charts on my second. I'm a big fan of donut charts. Pie charts, take or leave, whatever. People have their opinions, but I, I like the donut chart. Um, whatever. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was my first one. It was my dashboardy looking dashboard. I don't think I've really done anything like that since. I tried to get into... Um, real world fake data, but I was like, oh, this is too worky. I, I can't, I feel like I need requirements because my brain is shooting all over the place and I, it's taken too much time, but yeah. So was Makeover Monday your overall gateway or how did you sort of discover Tableau Public and that there was sort of a larger venue yeah. for them? No, so, okay, so I've got kids. I got three kids. So pretty much during the day and evening, family time, take care of the kids. And then people will fall asleep. And I have this window at night where it's like, okay, I can either sleep or I can get a two to maybe four hours, depending on how much energy I have. Um, and for the longest time, it's like, okay, what shows do I want to watch? What movies do I want to watch? What games do I want to play? And that was kind of like my fun time. And I think eventually I was just like, oh, I need to do, I feel like I'm being very unproductive. And I was dabbling at the time at work with some different views and Tableau. And I was like, I really enjoy this, but I, I need like the data. I, I need a, something pushing me. So I, and I would see uh, visit the days, like randomly looking stuff up, like Googling stuff. I'd go to like the message boards and I'd see a visit the day pop up. And so I was like, Oh, that seems really cool. Tableau public. How does this work? Oh, it's free. That's great. Oh, wow. It literally is basically just, Tableau, I work with this. So this makes perfect sense to me. So I downloaded it. Um, and that's how I got into it. I was like, okay, where do I even start? I need data. The idea of pulling data right now sounds horrible, but if I could get some 
like clean data sets. And then I saw Makeover Monday and I was like, oh, perfect. Like there's an audience for this. There's people getting the data for me. I have a set time frame to kind of push me along because otherwise I just kind of meander my brain kind of just, I can't focus. Um, so yeah, but I, I didn't have Twitter. So I got Twitter. I didn't really know how to tweet. I, I would look at other people's posts, Makeover Monday posts. And I was like, what hashtags are they using? What's the hashtag? Who am I adding? What What is going on? Um, so I kind of just jumped into it. Uh, I, I didn't, yeah, I jumped in. I looked at, that was my first data set I saw the week I signed up for everything was that uh, dashboard you were talking about. So I just made it and posted that week. Um, so uh, that's kind of how that went. I mean, you you have two viz of the day since then, and you you've only been publishing stuff for six months. And I have to say, you're remarkably prolific because you've got thirty, maybe thirty one vizes out there. So you're doing like five vizes a month. That may have been that was definitely my makeover Monday phase. Because um, yeah, I would do my one a week, um, and since then. But yeah, yeah, thirty. That sounds right. Sorry, I'm like when I go into Tableau Public. And see my profile i'm like oh i have 70. i was like well that's definitely not the case i just have so many drafts of things um but yeah for a while there i was trying to put out one a week uh two a week if i feel if i go two weeks without publishing anything i, I feel weird because this has been like my routine now for the past six months but if i don't get something published i feel like i'm falling behind or i'm like not doing something um but yeah so I don't know. Um, but yeah, 30. I don't know. It, it feels good. I, I like it. Yeah. I mean, well, you should, you're doing great work and I know people are really responding to your stuff out there as well. You're sort of like one of the hot new voices. And it seemed like, I mean, for me, I know, you, like you said, you've only been, you know, sort of active in the community about six months. Like it's hard to imagine a time before you because it just feels like you've always been there, especially with as prolific as you are and sort of as involved and active as you are making new things. Um, what is when you first joined, like, do you remember some of the early voices that you sort of uh, found yourself following or interested in or maybe early inspirations that sort of kept you going? Mm, I'm trying to think so. Gosh, when I first joined, I think I, honestly, I think I looked at who was, um, maybe this is going to sound really superficial, but I like looked at who was posting, who would respond, and I would click into their profile because I didn't really know how Twitter worked. I'd be like, oh, they have X amount of followers. They have Tableau in their profile. I'm going to follow them, follow them, follow them. And then from there, it kind of spider webs out like oh people with thousands of followers everyone you can kind of see it now everyone's kind of following each other and from there you have your list of oh i'm following 100 people zero people are following me and then over time those kind of build up um gosh who i'm trying to think at the very least andy Creeble, right because i did yes yeah um but it's weird because he was kind of always his thing was just makeover monday and then data fam, I didn't really, really even know what it was at the time. I just knew Makeover Monday, but everyone was hashtagging data fam. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not, I'll hashtag this. And then I eventually started clicking into it more. And I heard all these voices. Uh, you, Lindsay, actually, um, at the time, Lindsay, I feel like was posting a lot and she fell off for a little bit. Um, and then she's come back in a big way, I feel like recently. Um, 
but gosh, who else? Chimdi at the time had a bunch of stuff. Um, He's had a crazy year. Oh, dude, it's wild. I oh um, yeah, I was actually I always. He makes a tweet. It's awesome as always, and then I, he gets like all these likes, like two, up to two hundred likes. It seems like is the expectation. And I'm always like, oh my gosh, how do you manage all this? Because even when I get like 50 and people are replying and my notifications, I'm like, ah. But one, a few weeks ago, I was tagged on one of his like original tweets. He like posted something. So I got a taste of what it was like to give, like manage a, a, a chimney Twitter feed. And I was just like, oh my gosh, dude, how do you do it? Um, I, I've never gotten chimney numbers. So like, I can't, I can't even relate to that. Like he, he pulls down like crazy numbers. Like um, Judith Becker also pulls down like really great numbers. Anytime she posts something new, she's going to get at least 150 likes. Mind you, we're talking about likes that like in the scope of Twitter, like are statistically null, but like in terms <laughs> of civilians yeah. on Twitter, like that feels like a lot for something that's either not like a celebrity or someone sort of pandering politically one way or the other to sort of, you know, get likes. Yes. Uh, yes. Speaking of Judith, she had made that, uh, tweet recently about her new year's resolution uh watching movies robert pattinson and then she had that crazy gif of the dude cutting lamb uh, whatever you even made a comment but anyways she talked about watching robert pattinson movies and in my i made a response there was no hashtag or anything but i was like oh i love the rover i like robert pattinson and that has been like one of my most popular most retweeted tweets because somehow someone scraped it I'm assuming because I said I like Robert Pattinson and I had like 10 retweets and people liking it and it's all these Robert Pattinson fans. Yeah, fandom is a weird thing. I mean, my most viewed tweets ever where I think I commented on something from the Adam Carolla show because it's one of the podcasts I listen to. And because that Twitter handle has like a million followers or something like my stats for that month were absolutely through the roof because so many people just saw this reply. Um, and it's, it's funny how, like, just having a sort of tangential relationship to another account and interacting with it. So I can totally blow your numbers. I know it's crazy. Makes me think I should like slip a random hashtag into something I think is going to blow up just to see what, how it plays out. It's really hard. Like, let me tell you, there's so many times when I have posted a new viz and, you know, I don't tweet like hoping to get new followers or likes or numbers. Like I'll definitely say I'm an imperfect person. There are times when I'm like, man, I hope I get some, you know, good responses to this. You know, it's like, cause there's the endorphin rush that comes with that. Right. But like, I'm trying not to do it for that reason, but there are times when, particularly when you post a new project to Twitter, you might go and check later to see how many people have seen this. You're like, how have only 80 people seen this in the past four hours? Like somehow your thing got buried algorithmically. And then you're like, do I retweet? Do I tweet this again later? You know, because you're trying to walk that boundary between, I don't want to be self-serving and sort of greedy and selfish and be like, look at me, look at me. But at the same time, I made this thing for others to see, hoping that someone might enjoy it somewhere. And it would be nice if it actually made it to someone's screen. I know exactly how you, I, I understand completely. When I first joined, like, I, I would post stuff out. This was like when I first started, so I didn't really, whatever. Um, but I would post stuff a day would go by, there'd be like four likes, maybe. I'd be like, well, that's weird. And even up to like my first few months, that would be the case. And I was like, am I posting at the wrong time of day? Am I posting on the wrong day? Like, I don't understand how stuff flows through. It's weird. The Twitter audience is weird. Um, Getting a handle on that. And then 
I don't know. It's it's bizarre still. I, I'm still trying to understand Twitter in general, but I, I kind of I pretty much stay close knit with the data fam only, and I rarely branch out and look at other stuff. If I do, it's just because I clicked on a link in a browser and had opened up my Twitter on my phone. I think that's a, that's a safe idea. I mean, the data fam is, I would say, one of the more positive corners of Twitter, which can at times be an absolute cesspool um, of just general negativity. But I mean, even then, we're not immune to that. I mean, if you look at any political cycle or, you know, it, it, when when anyone gets really heated, sometimes that trickles through to every other aspect of social media. And sometimes you're going to get people with really impassioned responses. And sometimes those can be positive and other times they can sort of be aggressive or negative and stuff. And you just have to sort of that's baked into the idea of social media at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, I was going to say, it's interesting talking about the different ways in which we can interact on social media because I've posted visits to Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Reddit, and each of them almost has their own unique language in which you have to communicate. And Twitter is the only one that I have remotely penetrated. Reddit, I've tried posting visits there before to stuff like Data is Beautiful. And while Bo McCready is like the king of Reddit... It's a, I've had the most mixed bag response over there in cases where there are times when I posted something like I posted a very junky baby shark lyric pie chart. And I'm like, this is intentionally trolly. I'm making this just to mess with people. I'm going to put it out there. It got like 20,000 likes. And then there's (laughs) other stuff I posted, which is like actually legitimately good and interesting. And you'll get like 10. I've gotten some with like zero, like, like my net response was just like, not even worth the click. And I'm just like, I am so baffled by what you're looking for here. And it's like, I'm beyond the point where I'm chasing the likes. I'm more trying to understand why. Like I'm trying to, what does make stuff work here? I can't even tell because sometimes it definitely feels like it's the trend. Like, is this a newsworthy item right now? Like either socially or in terms of pop culture or something like that. Sometimes that fires off because you might see like, what is a very rudimentary Excel-based bar chart? Like I'm saying like not a clean one, like a really sloppy looking one, but it's about Game of Thrones at the right time. And it like goes through the roof. And there are other times you'll see stuff that's actually legitimately good and it can't seem to get traction. Yes. Yeah. Before, like right around the time I joined Twitter, data is beautiful Um, on Reddit was probably the other platform I was aware of. But even just reading through comments, that seemed like too much for me to begin with. Plus, like they'd always have to post their starting thing. What was your source and everything? And I was like, I don't want to deal with that. Um, so, but yes, that I, I have not attempted since I joined uh, Twitter and got Tableau Public to post anything to Reddit. I contemplated, but I was like, eh, it seems like too much to manage. I'm going to stick with Twitter and my Tableau Public profile for now. Um, I haven't ha- attempted LinkedIn. I think that would be my next one. Um, LinkedIn's tricky. I, I still haven't cracked LinkedIn because I can post the exact same thing in both places. And I have, you know, about equal followings in both places. And I can't, uh, I get very little response in terms of LinkedIn where I get much larger response in terms of Twitter. And I don't know if that's people's mindset when they're on either platform because many of the same people are on both or if it's, uh, you know, some sort of like language convention of the two. You know, I'm not sure what people are expecting of a LinkedIn post versus a Twitter post. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought about that too because I don't. I guess when I think LinkedIn, it's way more worky, like work specific stuff. And I look at my profile and I'm like, well, I don't know how much of these are. <laughs> like, I don't know. Can't think of like a hiring person looking at maybe the sub. I don't know. Whatever. Like, 
just my tone or vibe. I don't know. It doesn't strike me as LinkedIn-y, but I think that's going to be the next thing I'm going to try. Well, I would say you have a better shot than me because like, (laughs) I'm not saying you have that many Green Lantern visas, but I can say I definitely have more than you. Whereas yours are more focused on, you, you have a lot more sort of socially conscious ones in terms of, you know, the, uh, the billionaire's true. data set, uh, household wealth. Uh, you, have, you have lots of like sort of social um, commentary visits, which I think would track a lot better on LinkedIn than like my analysis of how many people John Wick has shot. <laughs> hey, I like that one though. It, it was, yeah, uh, my, yeah. the, uh, gosh, that um, household wealth one. That was my second visit of the day, but that one took off like bigger than I thought it would because it was me just kind of being like, well, I screwed this up because I totally made this thing uh, and then just kind of reframing it. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see what stuff clicks, what stuff doesn't. Um, stuff I may think is going to click doesn't so as much, but then something else kind of uh, launches off for whatever reason. So let's talk exciting. about the household wealth one, household wealth one, because okay. I, I really yes. like this one because um, this one is one where you get very sort of comment commentary based in your own text throughout it, because sometimes it's very easy for people to make stuff that's loaded with charts and, you know, treat it like a business project where it's like, okay, here's charts. This is what they say. Now you take something out of it. And this is more you commenting into this. Hey, this is my process as I worked through this thing. Let me explain what's going, what's going on here, both with how this is is being built and my thoughts on it and that sort of thing. And it, it, it your injection of personality made it a much better thing, I think, than it would have been strictly on its own. It made mm-hmm. it fun to interact with, fun to navigate through and read. And also the design was great, but it's it's that injection of personality that really put it over the top for me. Yeah, so if, and this is the case with a lot of my business, I start off being like, okay, how can I grab someone's attention. It's usually what neat looking thing can I make with, with my limited technical skill set. So I made this uh, kind of area chart uh, for each of the types of wealth. Um, and I think it was like white, Hispanic, other, and black. Those are the four basically colors, but I, you basically had a window for each one. So I was thinking, oh, household window, look out a window. Ooh. Like, so you basically had all these, um, uh, area charts next to each other and then you could kind of see as it progressed from the 80s up to the present kind of how uh, your minority wealth is kind of getting bigger like from the proportion they had and I was like yes this is I did it this is a cool thing and it I made this kind of slick looking thing and it fits with what I think it's saying um, and then I just started looking at the raw numbers behind it and they were in the trillions. And then I was just like, okay, I'm completely out of my element with the numbers here. I was just looking at percentages. So I was like, oh my God, I spent a few days trying to even come up with this thing. Like this was the view that finally grabbed me. And then it's saying a whole lot of nothing. So I was like, okay, um, I'm going to take a step back. And then I, cause then I like kind of zoomed in on the raw numbers or no, I looked at the percentages close up and then I looked at the raw numbers close up because you always hear about people adjusting axes and everything. So I was like, okay, I can do something with this. Does this kind of point the finger at me and say, oh, you did it wrong. Here's how you did it wrong. Um, And just kind of walk through my, my downfall with the viz and kind of 
pep it up a little with the commentary because I think I started out like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. I've done it. And then slowly realizing, oh, my gosh, I didn't do it. And also, not only did I not do it, but this data that I thought was going to say something really uh, profound and like hopeful ends up just being this not just this downer of a data set and finally capped it off with working the census data in just to see the proportions of the populations to the wealth. That was like my last like Hail Mary thing at the end because I didn't even have that originally in the viz. Um, my original tweet didn't have that. And then someone in the comments was like, I think it would be really interesting if um, I could actually see the proportions of the wealth to the thing. And I think I commented, I was like, oh, I contemplated it, but I'm kind of lazy. And that sounded like just too much work at the time, but it kept bugging me. So I went back and I did it. And digging through the census stuff was not fun, but I did it anyways. Um, it was very hard to read, but that was finally like my things like, oh, wait, this is going to tie it all together and make it good again. And then it was just this final like, nope. And that's kind of how I ended it on this abrupt layer in another data set. This is my saving grace. Nope, no luck. And then just kind of the diversity and data title there at the end, a kind of quick title card at the end. But, well, I, I love your section yeah. breakdowns because you're you're like talking about the census section you added at the end and your large header for the section is this does not look nice, uh, followed by your, well, I handled this data completely wrong, I know, which I found so refreshing because you see data products out there, whether, um, you know, they're being tweeted from like news outlets, you know, we I follow lots of folks from like The Economist and other stuff like that. And they're always sharing like their, you know, their data visas and their data articles and stuff like that. And whenever I see data presented, whether it's a news story or an internal data product to a client or anything like that, it's always with total surety on the page, right? Like very few people actually comment, well, you know, caveat, like we're not totally sure about this data. Yeah. And I mean, even the fact that if you are totally sure about the data, we always have a person involved and we're all bringing some kind of biases of our own to the data, whether in how we display it or how we break it out or anything like that. So it's, it's interesting to, you know, you just putting that in there brings that human element back in. And it's like a reminder to the audience, Hey, look, you know, this is being interpreted by humans. And even then the data was being collected by humans as well. Like there's lots of room for uncertainty in this and, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but also understand that none of this stuff is as easy as it looks. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I especially felt that with the census stuff. I was like, oh, I'm layering this new data set. Like, I'm trying to marry these two. Fields are completely different, but I'm trying to make sense of it as much as I can. But yeah, and I feel like I've kind of taken that approach that I did with that one into some next one, like my billionaire one you had mentioned. Um, wasn't exactly the same, but I kind of tried to inject a little more personality into it because the data set itself, I was just like, I struggled with it forever because I was like, there were so many cool visits that had been made. And I was just like, well, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, uh, how many different ways can I say, wow, billionaires have a lot of money? Like, I know some are men, some are women, but I just kept coming back to, oh my gosh, they're so rich. Like, they, their plane of existence is probably completely different. So I just kind of, in a smart aleck way, it was like, oh, they're just like us. They live on earth. They are men or women, like basically the most duh things, but kind of prep it up with some commentary or some words uh, to kind of bring it to life a bit. 
Well, it takes something that could otherwise be very dry and injects personality into it. And, you know, sometimes putting yourself in the viz or putting the, you know, reader in the viz can actually change their perspective on it entirely. And in this case, it's, it's funny because you're taking something that's unrelatable, which is basically having a bottomless money bin, um, and saying, okay, but what do they have in common with everyone else? You know, it's like, there are certain things we're all bound by. We're all mortal. You know, it's like, we were all born and we'll die at some point, you know, yeah. uh, you've got a name, you know, it's like, it's all, all of this is, is a, a commonality that you can't shed no matter how many billions you have in the bank. Mm-hmm. And I did try to humanize it some bit it was mainly in the tool tips like for each one i try to relate it to like what a normal person's salary was like so this these people live in earth and then so each country i did like the average salary for the person for those uh countries and i think for the which one did i like uh for uh, the age as time passes so the tool tip was if assuming every one of these people lived to 100 how much of their wealth would they have to spend every second minute, hour, month like before they die to exhaust their wealth? Uh, so it's just kind of playing with stuff like that. I mean, that's fun. It's like sometimes looking at, you know, stuff from a perspective that no one would ever, you know, consider like. Uh, my friend David Kelly was once uh, looking at baseball stats and he's totally uninterested in baseball, but he started to become fascinated with the idea of how much money are these people being paid for each time they're beaned? So like, if you, mm, yes, I love that. Yes, that's good. He's like, he's like, I'm bored by this, but this is fun. You know, so find finding some, some fun, quirky stack and like that's sort of the Freakonomics, you know, um, angle towards data, like looking for the unexpected or unknown in data rather than maybe tracking back to the things we always look for. Like I, I have a, um, a white, uh, whale data set that I, uh, struggled with publishing for a long time and then put out there incomplete just to have people spur me on. It was a San Francisco municipal salaries data set. So they had four years worth of data for all the employees of San Francisco. And I thought this would be fun to look at. And I started looking at it. I found four outrageous outliers, like people whose salaries were so far beyond everything else that they just crushed the rest of the data flat. And it's like the entire project for me became who are these four people and why did each of them make so much money this year? Like there was one uh, police chief or something whose um, overtime was about four times his salary or something like that. And I'm looking at all this, I'm like, what's happening here? And it's like my entire, like it, you could tell like throughout the page, like I went into full ADHD mode and it went from, okay, here's all the salaries and these are the bands. Like, nope, never mind. There are these four people. I don't understand what's going on. I'm Googling them. This person doesn't seem to exist at all. Like this person got laid off and there was like a gold parachute settlement. And, but yeah. I did this thing and I ended up calling it like flies in the ointment because I made it all about like how these four people were messing up my perfect data set. And uh, I ended up putting it out there like partially complete. And I think it was Chantilly Jagernoth who's like, that's my favorite viz of yours. You should finish that. I'm like, I guess I have to finish it now. So I, I finished it. And then I went back later and did a whole second pass of the data set and made an entirely different viz, which is something I've tried doing every now and then. Like taking a data set that I used once and re-examining it and seeing if I've got a different angle or different perspective on it than before, or maybe there's a different story. Like I've revisited a video game data set like multiple times because it's got, you know, sales data for like 40 years or something. So there's lots of different angles you can look at that from. But I found that an interesting discipline for myself to like, do I learn something different the second time or am I just rehashing the same thing? Like, is there something new here? Yeah, I... I've only contemplated that with uh, 
one of mine, which was the fertility rates one, just to get a newer dates data set and then to kind of flesh out one of the sections. But I'm still at the point where I'm like, ah, oh, I have too many ideas. I can't go back and work on another thing yet. Um, but yeah, that's interesting how you had the, uh, you were working with this big data set and then you honed in on these four people, which I think something is I struggle with sometimes when I get these massive data sets. I'm like, okay, where's the story here? How do I pluck it out? Oh my God, I just spent two weeks making this thing for this whole data set. And it just says a whole lot of nothing. Um, but oh my gosh, in the last hour, I just found this thing that is more intriguing to me. And just kind of balancing the time and the interest and where the story is. It, it's very tough. Like, so I think people find it refreshing to hear you say that because your your output that people have seen has been so high quality, particularly for a newer voice in terms of the community, that hearing you say, hey, sometimes it's hard to find the story or find a story or find what interests you in it, I think is the the common cry of most people working on sort of a personal project. Like when you're working on something at work, like obviously you're you're being given some sort of metrics of success. Like we need to know about these five KPIs and how they change over time. And in that case, it becomes a question of, okay, I need to make sure I can, you know, find that data, but also how do I express that in a way that's clearest and helps them understand it. But in this case, you're being given full creative control. So you're the script writer, executive producer, director, and actor, and you're being told, okay, you've got a blank check, go, uh, go make something worthwhile. And it kind of all comes down to you at that point. And that's when it can, it can get tricky because not only are you having to find a project in the first place, you know, am I going to create a data set? Am I going to find a data set? Am I just going to look at a bunch of data sets? Maybe I'll find something I'm using. And then once you have it, like, what's it even saying? Like, it's, it's very easy to make the mistake of choosing a story before you have a data set and even knowing if that supports what you want to say. Like, it's sort of like the, um, the yellow journalist version of it where you've already decided the outcome of this story. Now let me recite the facts from what happened that back up what I feel happened. Yes. I, and I fall into that quite a lot or like, I think I have an idea and in my head it's all played out and it's just this lovely thing. <laughs> you sit down for like that first hour and you're like, Oh, well, this is just the worst thing. Maybe I should just change topics altogether. Uh, but I run into that a lot. Like um, even that COVID one I put out recently, I struggled with that for a month. Like I didn't know how to approach it. Like I find a lot of the times I'll start working on something and it's usually once I get like the title framed up or written out, or once I hit a certain visual that can kind of, it. either of those take my, final view and, and, and like what the end result is going to be in a completely different direction. I don't know what it is about a title, but seeing like the title typed out in a font, I think works does something for me, like creativity, create whatever uh, it, it basically pushes me forward where it's like, okay, this is now a real thing. Um, I get the vibe maybe I'm going for, I, I don't know, but but it's just silly that stuff, something as simple or dumb as that could completely change what direction you're going to go in. Um, and yeah, I, I run into the same thing with certain charts. And I'm like, well, this chart, the look of it is kind of vibing with the tone. 
so maybe this chart needs to be a centerpiece. And now because of that, my whole layout is going to change. It's just like, so yeah, I struggle with that stuff all the time. I'm not, I always see people like writing up their storyboards and everything. And I wish I could do that, but I just can't because every single time I start working on something, it changes. Uh, seems like by the time I get halfway through, I completely change course, which I've kind of, sometimes I'll post my pictures of stuff I have saved in my phone. of like, Hey, here's where it started. Here's where it ended up uh, kind of thing. But now I definitely struggle with stuff like that all the time. I think that's good. There, there's a discovery process along the way, both about the data and, you know, maybe your storytelling as you're, as you're sort of going through stuff, you know, as you, you know, try to find supporting details for what you're seeing in there and that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I'm fascinated by your sort of design aesthetic overall. Like at one point, it, it does feel like for maybe half your portfolio, you, you've embraced the back, black background after a certain point, with the exception of your post-pandemic depression. Was that a conscious choice or was that just more of it felt like it worked for the topic? Uh, I think it was more a conscious choice than anything. Um, I'm a big dark background person. Just I don't know. I prefer looking at it and I feel it makes color pop more for me. Um, I did like working on the white background, but I, I struggle because I start with a black background in a certain color scheme, and then I'll switch to light, which will eventually will just immediately kill the color that I had going. So I think it may just be an eyeball adjustment thing, but I, I always switch to light, and then I quick jump back to dark. But for this pandemic one, I did have a dark version, um, and I did have a light version, and I was like, oh, I actually really like the light version here. Um, I was going to try, I keep telling myself I want to do more light background stuff, but I always, I feel more in my comfort zone with the dark stuff. There, there's not a right answer there. Um, have you done a collaboration with someone yet? And if, if you're interested in one, do you have a dream collaborator? And if so, you don't have to say who they are. Uh, no. So collaborations scare me. Um, I think they're very cool and I'm envious of people who can pull them off. Um, but maybe this is a little imposter syndrome. Uh, this is my version of imposter syndrome, but I feel like I, I don't I, but like, I would be like a weight. Like I, I just, I try to balance like the limited time I have in my life to visit on my own is just can be a struggle. And then to now anchor that to someone else seems like, Oh my gosh. Like we, I'd spend more time trying to just coordinate than it would be actual create. And that part scares me uh, mainly because I just want to want someone else to have to deal with that. Um, I'm more looking out for the other person than myself, but um, I think it would be cool. Um, there's definitely some people with some styles that I completely vibe with that I like that, um, that I think would be cool to work with. But then I'm just kind of, then I think, well, what would, I wouldn't even know what, to visit about or how to go about that. And I know Nicole put that group together, um, but it's still very intimidating to me. I'll tell you my biggest fear with collaborations. I've done four, maybe five at this point, but my biggest fear is always that I am going to be so much less technically able than the person I'm collaborating with that I'm going to look foolish. Absolutely. I feel that a lot. Um, there have been a, some amazing technical stuff coming out in the past month, stuff that has just kind of blown my, even today, Brian put out that one sheet. I, I don't even know how he did it. I would never even attempt to, I don't even know if I want to learn how to attempt to do it. Um, but it's just amazing. And so I think, okay, collaboration, 
what if I collaborated with someone who could do something like that? I'm like, what am I bringing to the table uh, to at a certain point? Um, and even just collaborating with Tableau as a tool seems kind of, I'm trying to, I don't know. There, I feel like there's so many moving pieces, but definitely technically I too think like, I don't know, I, I can make a bar chart that looks really spiffy if given enough time. Like I can make it look stylish, but the moment you want curves and rounded things that flow like some sort of river, I'm just like, I, I have no idea how some of you folks are pulling this stuff off. It's amazing. Um, makes me a little envious, but I'm, at the same time, I'm just like, I don't have to, I, I, I would love to learn this, but unless I'm forced to learn it, like, unless I think of the perfect idea that is like, Luke, you need to learn how to do this curvy line round thing. I'm not going to, I just don't have the time to learn it, if that makes sense. Well, I'll tell you my thought on that. And I've been, I am exactly where you are mentally with that, where there are some people whose brains don't work the way, mine doesn't work the way theirs do. Like I've done a collaboration with Brian Moore and I can tell you he is 10 times more technically advanced than I am. I've, you know, worked with CJ and I've worked with some other folks and I can see, you know, some people are highly technical and some people are, uh, you know, less technical. And I'm not saying less technical as in primitive. I'm saying like some people, this is definitely their, you know, their fortitude, uh, their forte. Um, but I will tell you this, like there is definitely an upside and a grace to being able to express your stuff with less technical means, both in terms of ease and ability, but also ease and ability for audience. And while you may not be able to create the bendy, mind-blowing thing that maybe Sam Parsons did for his, you know, big Marvel cinematic universe viz that captured everyone's imagination, you can express a lot of really big ideas in a lot of smaller ways. And I mean, look at your fertility rates viz. So your your centerpiece there is like a it's a replication of like an egg and sperm. So this is talking about the decline in fertility rates from nineteen uh, what sixty to twenty nineteen. And rather than go through all of the complicated calculations it would take to figure out how to make this little sperm image rotate around so it's always facing in the right direction as you went around, you created what, 300 something different versions of it? Yeah. So I had, I started with one little sperm image and I think I had a little over 200 quotation countries. Um, so I angled it. I was like, well, this they need to go around 210 times. So, oh my gosh, what is the degree each one needs to rotate? So in PowerPoint, I slowly rotate that degree, save an image, rotate that degree, save an image. Um, so yeah, I just did some basic image stuff and then assigned them to the countries. And you know what? That was a brute force method and it took a little while, but it 100% worked and it gave you the exact same outcome as you would have gotten with a much more technically difficult route. I mean, who's to say which one is right? Because both of them got you to the same place that you wanted to get to. So, I mean, I can't, uh, I can't fault you for using that route. I've used all sorts of technical tricks to avoid much more difficult technical tricks. And then the question is, well, is it better to know, learn and deploy the very, very technical trick? Or is it better to know the shortcut to work around not having to do that technical trick? And I, I don't think there's a sound answer to both, but it's great to live in a world where we have both options. Definitely. Yep, definitely. And, and then a lot of the times I think, well, end user, are they even going to know? I mean, to them, they're just looking at the final thing um, a lot of the time. So 
I remember I would have some images that on the tableau, like they would hang off, like 75% of them would be hanging off the actual dimensions of the dashboard. And when I would work on it, I'd look at it and be like, oh my God, this looks horrible, but published, it does what it needs to do, uh, stuff like that. So and I'm, I'm sure, yes, know. there are always way easier ways, but it works for me and I'm going to take it. Well, everyone's got their own bag of tricks and it's like you're building that out as you go and passion projects are a great way to that. Have you found that doing like public work has helped you with your professional work at all? Um, somewhat. Uh, I've definitely learned some more technical stuff that I've been able to take back in, um, especially some of the uh, calculations and stuff I just wasn't doing for work, but I would try to do some stuff, force myself to learn some things with some of the makeover Mondays that I'd bring back uh, to the workplace. Uh, so that's definitely helped. Um, I try sometimes to get a bit more, bit more stylish at work with some things thinking, okay, they're, they can totally shoot this down. I'm okay with it, but I'm just going to try to slip it in and <laughs> say no, like no, no harm done. Uh, so yeah, I had definitely, but I'm also the past, couple months have been so crazy also so I'm just thinking I don't know some stuff I've learned it's running out of time haven't been able to visit as much all over the place so the biggest thing for me that the public work has done is sort of ease to production so like as I've become more accustomed using the tool and not every time I've been working it I've been under the gun I've learned a lot more of where everything lives how quickly to construct some stuff so that when you are in that two-minute drill scenario, it's less um, it's less hectic because you've just done it so many times. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's definitely probably the biggest thing. Now that you say that, like just familiarizing myself, um, just with all the different aspects of the tool, like a visual I've made enough times, I'm like, oh, I know exactly how to pull this in. I know how to get my label to appear how it needs to appear real quick, and I know when my label will get cut off weird and when I need to resize. So stuff like that has definitely come in super handy um, when it comes to work. The reps become a real favor in terms of some of the nitpicky things that happen. Like, you know, when, the, when like you say, when the title runs off and stuff, knowing immediately what the cause of that is and how to remedy it. It's that kind of stuff that, you know, people that are newer to the tool might struggle with. And, you know, they're, they're going through endless formatting menus, trying to figure out what the problem is. But if you've sort of put in the reps and gotten all the different errors you can possibly get on stuff, you more quickly learn how to deal with them. Yeah. Yep. Big time. So uh, before we wrap up today, I wanted to ask, is there anybody you wanted to shout out or anything you wanted to promote? Um, promote? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't really have too much to point at and say, look at this. Um, but I guess shout out. I don't know. I've seen a lot of cool things lately. Um, I'm, I'm going to get his last name wrong, but Dennis Cow. Um, I've been really impressed with the stuff he's done lately, um, mainly because every time he posts something, I feel like he's trying something new, like he's trying to learn something. And I feel like he pulls it off so well, like, how is this your first time kind of dabbling in this? Um, so I'm always excited to see what he's going to do, because uh, he's been dealing with map players. Uh, I don't need map players. That's something else I'd like to get into. But I just my brain is still not quite there. Um, but I'm always impressed with the stuff he does. Um, I love the stuff Severio does. Um, 
style wise, it just clicks with me instantly. He says such, I think a unique look that I love. Um, Tina and the game night viz people, but Tina really blew me away with her. I don't even remember the baseball player's name, um, but it was very stat based, but it was also very her, like she had commentary on like how to read everything and how to make sense of this, even if you weren't a baseball person. And that long fizz really blew me away. Um, I don't know. I've seen some really awesome things. Uh, Will Strauss's uh, Orchid Viz, I think was probably my favorite thing I saw last year. Um, just because when I saw it, I was like, there's no way I could ever make anything like this. There's no way I would ever be in a position that I could make something like this. But because of where he was in life and his interests, it, everything came together so beautifully. And I was like, this is such a unique thing to him and the way he laid it out. And the, it was the first time I really saw a long horizontal viz like that. Um, everything about it just made me think, oh, my God, this is so beautiful and awesome that he was able to make this thing. And I fully accept I'm never even going to do anything like this. But I love it because it's so unique. Um, but there's so many, there's so much awesome stuff happening right now, almost to a fault. Oh my God, there's so many initiatives happening. You kind of have to balance your time and then Iron Viz, which I keep forgetting, kicked off already. So I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, I'm looking forward to an amazing away, entry from yeah. you. I know you're going to nail it. Dude, uh, I need to think of something first, but I have a few, few ideas I'm contemplating, but I better get cracking because four weeks, yikes. Well, Luke, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on. I know everyone was excited to hear from you and hear your perspective. And I hope to have you back on soon. Awesome. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks.